This is the Kestrel Country Podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and events all around Kestrel Country. Well, thanks for jumping on the podcast, guys. Well, it's this is like point. a regular, just a regular old like a Wednesday meeting or something. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. All well, of a, us, a calm conversation amongst friends. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. peers. Yeah, Kestrel. Yeah, Kestrel guys. The Kestrel guys minus Jed. He's yeah, probably he out uh, pouring concrete or doing something crazy. Did I see him in a Forge video installing cabinetry? Was that the man in the green stuff? No, that wouldn't I don't think so. No? Okay. No. I thought he went over to help him. I'm like, this guy's magnanimous. His <laughs> reputation for being helpful is spread throughout the Palouse. He's true. He's a capable, capable guy in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Not just Jed. Sh- not just Jed. There you go. Not just Jed looking for sheds Yeah, Uh-oh. out in the woods. Jed looking for sheds. Jed looking for sheds. Yeah, so uh, real estate is kind of our, kind of our thing yeah, over that's here. that's our sweet spot anyway, right? Yeah, I thought it'd be good to talk a little bit about this last year, 2023. And then now that we're officially in February, it's like it's not even a new year anymore. We're... Yeah. We're well, well into, into the February. first quarter. Yeah, so we got a little bit of, little bit of 2024 under our belts. But then I think it just it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on where 2024 might be headed, uh, real estate wise. So, uh, first off, last year, um, I'll start the conversation with some stats. Um, I was pulling up some information from the MLS. So year-to-year comparison from 2023 to 2022, so looking at what was last year, um, not surprisingly, volume down quite a bit across Moscow, Latah County. Um, one thing I found interesting was that volume was a lot further down percentage-wise in the county versus the city of Moscow. So the the more rural areas – actually saw there always is less volume, but they saw a bigger drop in volume. So um, if you're looking at residential sales um, in Moscow, um, they were down 6% um, in the city and down 24% in the county, in Latah County, County, um, with averaged out then at 13%. Pretty significant. Yeah. yeah. Really, pretty significant drop in overall sales volume last year. Oh, yeah. And I think that, the, you know, looking at the Leyta County numbers versus Moscow numbers, it's very, very obvious, at least to me, that Moscow remains the sweet spot inside the county. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's far more buyers interested in single-family homes even with acreage in Moscow, within the city limits right. of Moscow and the surrounding area of Moscow, than they are in other places in, in Lake Todd County. Because people, especially here from my perspective, think very town-bound about commutes, like a 15-minute commute from outside of town 
is almost like it, it sounds to me when I discuss location with clients, it seems like it's a big deal to them. Wherein if you're coming from other areas, it's normal to have 15, 20 minute commutes to go anywhere. Right. So I don't know what, so what do you, is. what, um, what what is your take on why volume was down so much last year? Oh, absolutely, interest rates. You know, interest rates. I think the lowest interest rates were somewhere in uh, in October, and they just you know kind of peaked out somewhere in late. Was it late May or June? I can't when they got now. to their height, yeah. No, it was uh, it was October. It was October. Yeah, so they so, went up and up. They dropped a little bit, kind of like this time. A year ago, um, into February, they started dropping a little bit. We saw a little bit lower rates coming right. into the spring. Um, but then really basically they did what they did the previous year in 2022, which was started going up in the summer and really peaked in the fall. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I saw an article. I think it was Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago that last year sales volume nationally was somewhat similar, a little bit more extreme, um, but what is the lowest that had been – um, or the biggest drop anyway in like 20 years. Yeah, you know? it actually was 28 years. 28 years. Okay. Yeah, so we're talking almost three decades worth yeah. of data showing that. And I definitely think it was the fact that interest rates are so high. I saw, you know, buying power at a point and a half of interest rates and people's shop payment is somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 bucks, between 283 and 325 depending on size of mortgage. And so that's really hard for people to swallow when they're budgeting out and they're thinking in terms of, do I make this move? Yeah. And inventory had everything to do with it as well. Yeah. With people that had refied right up through like even five and a half, six percent, but between like high twos and three percent and up to like five, five and a half percent, it makes it hard for them to consider saying bye-bye to that that mortgage interest rate to yeah. go out and, and saddle themselves or put themselves in a position of committing to a mortgage with a much higher interest rate, even knowing in the back of their minds, if they refi, they can do it again. You know, when will we ever see 3% again? Right. Most economic data says probably not going to happen. Yep. Yeah, I don't say, I, I think inventory is the key that, there's, you know, interest rates were really low and they're probably going to drop a little bit, but they're not going to drop that much. But the biggest factor is inventory. And I suspect that's true that with what happened in the rural markets, too. It's just there was less inventory and, you know, and when there's pressure on it, there's just nothing available, really. You know, nothing to look at kind yeah. of thing. and. And the new home construction is still expensive, you know, so um, it's harder to develop lots. It's um, harder to split properties, that kind of thing. Uh, when you get out into rural areas, it's you've got wells, infrastructure issues, power, that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a difficult situation. And I would say last year you could say, yes, interest rates were a problem, but Inventory has been an ongoing problem for a number of years. That's going to continue. It was true last year. It's probably going to continue this year to some degree. 
and people just have to get used to it and say, okay, now I got to figure out how I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. Save some money, um, have a, you know, get a better credit score, figure out how to buy down mortgage rates, maybe see if there's seller financing available. Well, it's, it's interesting. Tools. Interesting that you mentioned building costs and splits and that kind of thing. Cause if we move down to land, so residential was residential excluding vacant land, right? Move down to land, um, no change in the city of Moscow. So 33 lots were sold in 2023, 33 lots were sold in 2022. So no change in lots. However, outside of city limits, you go into Latai County and raw land um, was down 26% um, in terms of the volume uh, sales volume. Uh, so significant drop again, outside of the, outside of town. And I think there, there's a little bit of lack of inventory, but a lot of stuff actually just sat. And I think it's more to your point about, well, both of your points, but interest rates and also construction costs, there's just fewer people buying those raw land parcels, um, last year and, and taking on a big building project like that. Um, we've had that conversation a couple of times, right, Mike, where we say, well, it is almost getting to the point now that with the cost of the land and then all of the build, like the dirt work, the roads, the septic, the well, price of material. Yeah. All the things that go into before you ever have any vertical construction. All, right. all those costs, putting in the road, putting in the well, bringing the power in, all those things are really expensive. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of dampens the enthusiasm of people that are thinking about it. I've had three or four people last year that have actually kind of thrown their hands up in the air and said, "It's not really, you know, it's probably not economically viable for me to consider it." Yeah, and then I think the overall economy affects that too, as well as inflation coming down. I think what what we saw anecdotally, I saw a lot of in like 2021, 2022 was people buying land as a hedge against inflation, so to speak. Or, you know, it was like, well, we've got some excess cash. Let's just park yeah. it in land for the long term, that kind of thing. And I think that kind of dried up as well. And there was less of that kind of longer term speculative Idaho land grab kind of thing. Um, but the um, before I get into prices, moving down to residential income, this one is not surprising. Um Residential income is dropped significantly, seventy percent um, drop um, in, in across both the the county and uh, um, yeah seventy percent in Moscow, sixty nine percent in in Lataw County. So way way down. And again, the previous year we saw some of that. People were investing. People were trying to. Some people were pulling money out of the stock market, putting right. in a residential income. They were buying investment properties. It was kind of the hot thing to do. Park your cash there. Again, hedge against inflation, all of this. And, you know, when you're talking about 30-year rates, if it's a four units or less, right, 30-year rates locked in and these really low rates made some sense, right, buy investment properties. As soon as those interest rates came up, it just didn't make sense. Right. It doesn't pencil out. It doesn't pencil out. If, if, you, if you have no cash flow whatsoever or negative cash flow – you know, unless you're well healed and you've got a whole bunch of things that are there to help you, like supplement it. But who wants to walk into a situation with negative cash flow? 
and saying, well, I can hold on to it and I'll get some appreciate, appreciation out of it over the next 60 months. And hopefully I'll be able to, it, it'll eventually cash flow. Yeah, you know, some a little bit of rate increase for, for your rent yeah. on your property. And that's where I yeah. think we really, you know, that's where the We're rates most now. affected it. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, somebody for their primary residence, like like you were saying, Dad, it's like, you just got to got to make it work, right? People are going to eventually, they've got to, whether that's, you know, adjusting their expectations or budgeting or saving more money, trying to, you know, get a, get that raise, whatever it is, people are going to figure out how to make it work because they need a house to live in. Right. But for these investment properties, investors are like, it's not going to pencil. I'm not going to buy it. Excuse me. Um, so that was a huge drop. Um, commercial. The, did you have the percentage drop again? Remind 70%. Us. That's 70% that's drop. Almost, that's almost yeah. unbelievable. <clears throat> there were, uh, yeah, 12 sold uh, last year uh, compared to 30 uh, the previous year. Um, commercial, you know, this is, I, I always caveat commercial data in the MLS because so much of commercial is done outside of the MLS. So it's really a very small piece of, of the puzzle, piece of the data. However, um, is interesting because we are at least comparing MLS commercial data from one year to another. So we are comparing apples to apples that way. Um, and, uh, yeah, interesting that volume there, same thing down significantly, 14% in the city of Moscow. Again, small numbers. You're talking about, um, six versus seven sold, um, Latah County, only one, uh, last year and nine the previous year. And I actually do think that one's kind of interesting. And if we think back to 2022, you know, there were some commercial buildings in Troy, commercial buildings in Potlash. Some of the outlying towns had some commercial sales happen uh, more than normal last year, back down to only one. So a huge drop there. Um, but what about, um, what are, what are your thoughts on pricing? I've got, I'm, I'm cheating because I have the data in front of me, <laughs> but heading back up to residential, uh, what do you think we saw prices do um, this last year? Well, that's they can send you to increase. So interestingly enough, basically flat. Um, average sale price uh, for residential in Moscow essentially unchanged, uh, changed by nine hundred dollars. Um, median sale price went up one yeah. percent. Um, same, uh, and then in the county. Um, actually down a little bit average, but median up by 3%. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a little bit, basically unchanged essentially. Yeah. yeah I wonder if you looked at that and you'd see if, if that was really skewed towards the highest end of the market. So, you know, some house that might've sold for, you know, gotten bid up to 700, uh, didn't get bid up this last year to, to that high, you know, so it sold at 650 where, I would think, generally speaking, prices are continuing to go up. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, again, there's a lot of demand and not a lot of inventory, and so uh, I think the, I think that's just what we have to get used to. That, yeah, that's that's the situation, and then develop strategies to to address that. I think for sellers, there's a good opportunity because there's lots of buyers out there, and for buyers, it's just a matter of being ready in every way, you know, whether it's having the cash on hand, getting all the pre-approvals, but also really knowing what you want in the market. So when you see the opportunity, you're ready to jump on it, make a competitive offer and move forward. So 
But I, I just think the, you know, it's a basic supply and demand thing. And when the supply is, yeah. is very soft, prices are going to be high. Yeah, I explain to people when I have those inevitable conversations and social interactions that, you know, traditionally in real estate, a healthy, balanced market has a six-month supply of, you know, take 30 calendar days on average. A six-month supply would be 180 homes that are active in the marketplace. And we just don't have that. We have a one-month to one-and-a-half-month supply on average. So to your point, when you do see something that you like, chances are there are a bunch of – there's a bunch of – pent up demand. So you're still going to have to be, you know, aware of that and be ready to move almost aggressively to try to secure that, that particular house, because there's just so few of them in almost every category, whether you're looking at a lower priced what we would consider a starter home, or you're looking for something in the middle of the market or in even the luxury of the high end of the market. Uh, and I see it. That's where most stagnation is on the very high end of the market. But those homes typically sit for a far longer period of time. Hence, you see averages that are, like you were saying to your point, Bill, skewed for time on the market because there are homes that are in the luxury category that sit sometimes for over a year before there's activity on them. It is interesting. uh, My experience because I still have friends and things in Michigan, you look at there and, and uh, there's a lot of movement, but the movement is under 300,000. <coughs> we hardly have any market like that here, you know, yeah. but they had so many houses built in the fifties, sixties and seventies that are very affordable now. And there's a lot of them on the market. Right. And uh, as the population ages there and that kind of thing, those things go on the market and people are buying them up either to rent them or just to buy them new family startups and that kind of thing. But it is interesting to see how many sales there are and how quickly those houses that are, say, under 280000 how quickly they sell. Yeah, despite interest rates of yeah. being about the same. Yeah, and these are not fixer-uppers. These are, I mean, these are these are nice homes. They probably, mm-hmm. you know, remodeled kitchen and that kind of thing mm-hmm. on a nice lot in a nice neighborhood. So, you know, again, I think it's, a, it's an inventory thing. There's lots of that inventory there. We just don't have that here. And yet, this is a very popular place that people want to come to. We have a great community, you know, wonderful town, lots of, you know, we get good restaurants. 50 degrees in January. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, we're, uh, so we have a lot of things going for us. We just don't have a lot of inventory. Right. So. Yeah. And, and I don't, I well, it'd be interesting to see, to watch this year. We were just talking about that, the, you know, Eddington. Uh, south of town, there's a couple of couple of homes going up in there. Um, you know, there's a few a few going up on Sunnyside, um, and then the Woodbury. You know, Woodbury certainly is seeming like that's going to be the high end of the market, um, higher end of the market, and so is inventory in the real kind of the bandwidth. So I, I when I was looking at that, so average sale last year just over four hundred thousand um, in Moscow. Right. And so you're talking in the 700s, Woodbury, you're significantly above that average. Um, 
you know the the closest thing I think we we see to that average price is probably like the the condos or twin homes that are you know attached that kind of thing. Right. There's still some around that average price, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much gets built this year and kind of how much that might alleviate a little bit of the inventory issues. But I think you're right, Chris. Until we really see people letting go of their current homes. Um, it's going to continue yeah. to be real tight. And the high end there, north of town in Woodbury, I've my interested clients have been people that are coming in from out of the area. Way more. I mean, everybody here is aware of it, and it doesn't raise eyebrows. It's just like people longingly looking, longingly looking at that, and saying, kind of more like a, a wish list for them. But I've had. Like three or four potential buyers in there, and they're all out of town. Mm, and they're coming from areas like Spokane and Washington, the coastal Washington, right? The west side of Washington that are interested in relocating. And they've got, and they're primarily people that are either retired or in the middle of making those plans for retirement within the next 60 months, the next five years. Yeah. That's where the Woodbury activity that I have is coming from. Hmm. Lest any of the buyers be completely discouraged, as we talked. You got about, good news. As we, <laughs> we talked about earlier, at some point people do need to sell. They can right. put it off so long, you know. Eventually, they, you know, they say, you know, the roof needs to be replaced, and I don't want to do it, so they have to move. Or, you know, tragically something happens. You know, somebody breaks a hip, and they have, and they have to sell and put it up. So. I think that's the encouragement to me to buyers is you need to be looking because you know thing it, it the the market doesn't stop completely it seems like it's stopped that we're just you know the that there's nothing happening right. but that can't continue you know at some 100%. point at yeah. some point along the way the dam breaks and things move forward but I don't think people should be thinking about oh prices are going to drop way down or that kind of thing hmm. But the availability should should improve right. as time goes on. The the silver tsunami, right? Yeah, That's yeah, exactly. Part of that, you get people aging out of homes and that kind of thing. Um, article I was reading on that sounds like that slowed a little bit. People are more kind of just making it work right. in their homes um, rather than looking to downsize in that. Partly because of inventory. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the fact that we were down, what did I say, thirteen percent? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's not like it's not like homes didn't sell last year, yeah, right? It's right. still a lot of houses sold, um, yeah. especially for our size of town. So there is activity, there is is movement, um, but it, it's going to be competitive. I don't think we're going to see. We haven't anyway yet seen you know the bidding wars and that kind of thing that we saw previously. I don't know that people have the stomach for it, or maybe even some of that same financial ability. But um, it is going to be a competitive market. That's right. for sure. So, but yeah, there's always activity. There's always activity. That's for sure. And I think for me professionally, as far as like a lot of what I've been doing over the last, like the tail end of last year and into the first quarter of this year, is just staying in contact with people I know are looking and just checking in and finding out where their heads are at, what they're thinking about. And trying to be a resource, you know, not the end all, but I can point them in the direction of 
a lender or somebody that might be able to help them gain some clarity in their quest for home ownership or for the next home that they're they're thinking about. And I think that's where there's some value added when you're talking to somebody as a potential buyer or somebody that's a potential seller that's looking for their next home that fits their needs more appropriately than their current home. Just try to stay in contact with people and help them as they're on this journey. Right. You know, just checking in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how do you, you think elections, uh, you know, you all not, uh, don't take it wrong, but you've been around a few more of these cycles than I have. Do uh, you think election year has any, is it going to have any impact on like the housing market? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think two things. One is, I, I think uh, it it um, brings uncertainty to the market, and mm. anytime there's uncertainty, people don't tend to people aren't as apt to make a decision. They may, may put things off, especially big life changing. Yeah, right. right. So, so, so they have an uncertainty, and that's where I say. You know, I think prices are going to. The other side of the coin is that sometimes politicians, you know, um, do things to to try try and make things look better and that kind right. of thing. So, so maybe 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 there'll be some encouragement to soften inventories or or change regulations that make things easier and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think it, I think it could go either way. Um, but again, I think it tends to. To, to support the idea that uh, inventory is still going to be a problem because um, people might might be less apt to step out and do something completely different because of the uncertainty of the election. Yeah, because I, I, I really wholeheartedly believe that um, headlines do more to terrify than they do to inform. And people are apt to take news, if it's a positive or a negative Slant, you're gonna. Most people are gonna be a little more negative right. and less optimistic. Let's put it that way. So I think that that sometimes is just one more reason in some people's minds' eyes to sit on their hands and not make a move. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's that. What you said about uncertainty, I, I do feel like we're, our industry is affected a little bit more by that kind of thing, just because right. it is such a significant. Not only um, financial decision, but life decision, and it involves a ton of work. Right, yeah. moving is the worst. <laughs> no right, and, and so whether it's Christmas or a really big heavy snow month, or you know um, summertime when people are going on vacations or an election, those kinds of things that distract and make people busy and get you know get them out and whatever, um, kind of keep them from being like all right, focused, settled on. Here, here's what we're going to do. Here's this move we're going to make. Right, and it's not just our own election, you know, here in the United States. I mean, the, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world where there's mm-hmm. uncertainty, you know, whether it's saber rattling here or there, that sort of thing. So those, I think that all contributes to a situation that is is not positive for the industry. Um, but by the same token, um, as I say, there's there's always opportunities and. You just need to keep looking. And uh, I think the other thing that 
an offsetting thing to the elections or the saber rattling, the you know the situations in the world and that kind of thing, is there's a lot of really positive things that maybe aren't getting the spotlight they should. Mm-hmm. You know, thing things mm-hmm. like AI. You know, uh, that really could contribute a lot to our economy, um, contribute a lot to profitability and that kind of thing. Um, uh, you know, where where there's a labor shortage, you know, there's there may be um, some sort of technology that can help improve it. Um, you know, tech, technology that can be used in agriculture, other things. So, so I think there's a bunch of positive things that maybe get hidden because of all the news of elections and that sort of thing. Uh, but we should remember those positive things and, and uh, yeah, you know, that's n- not, be, not, be, uh, not be afraid to, to do things. Yeah, be steady, right? That, yeah. That's part of our job is to be, you know, it, there's a lot of emotion and that kind of thing involved in housing decisions. And it's yeah. good to be steady, data-driven, and just explain to people what, what's going on and help yeah. them make the right decision. Because almost always headlines focus on short-term. And you've got to kind of do your own homework and deep dive into things so that the headlines don't, like I said, terrify you or unsettle you. And you think more long term because ultimately at the end of the day, you know, as far as housing is concerned, that's that's a a long term investment for most people, you know, and they need to think in terms of that so that my immediate need is to have a place that fits my, you know, fits my lifestyle that I can afford and then know that over time, historically, where the numbers are for real estate versus other asset classifications and versus, you know, renting long-term. And that's where I think some of the resources that people have at their hands to, to walk through and talk through those things are so valuable, especially lenders and the lenders' perspectives on what they can do over time. And, you know, when, our, when it's a good idea to refinance, it, it helps people build confidence in the decision that they're thinking about making. Right. To have those the, that kind of a view, kind of a long-term view rather than, you know, what's happening in the market today, what's happening in the headlines today, where is the world at today, instead of being like you were saying, Bill, more forward thinking about some of the positive aspects of what the futures may or may, br- may not bring to us. Right. Yep. Good. The other thing I think is, um, and this is always true, but I think particularly in times that are more difficult, you know, high-priced homes, limited availability, other things is, is um, you know, finding hidden value. So a house, you know, may seem expensive, um, but um, maybe it's actually underpriced because um, it's a two-bedroom house, but there you you know you can put up one wall and a closet, and all of a sudden it's a three-bedroom house, you know. Um, or you know, there, there's always that opportunity where the house looks really bad, but you know it's it's a diamond in the rough. And mm-hmm. so if you find that person who's got you know either the skill to do it, or you know the brother-in-law or or uncle or parent that can help you know, fix the house up, all of a sudden there's, there's value there. And so where uh, a buyer might be reluctant to say, wow, this is at the very top of my price range. Well, yeah, but, you know, you do 
these three little simple things that you can do with your own, you know, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and all of a sudden the house is worth 20% more because you've added a bedroom or, right. or something like that. Yeah. So I think those are those are always things to remember, too, that um, there's a lot of different ways to to make the market work, even when the market doesn't look like it's working. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Sweat equity is underrated for the average homeowner. You know, especially at the starter home level or entry level, it's so underrated. And I can vouch for that because I've done that multiple times. You know, buy a property and invest some some sweat equity over time with a very limited budget. But, you know, just kind of prioritize what I want to do when I want to do it. And I the, the basic thing I have is time. So to be downstairs in the basement of a house working on expanding the living space over a six-month period, say from like early January until late March or, early, you know, having four months to dedicate to a project and taking your sweet time and your your sweat equity because who can always afford to pay the trades for every little thing? I've had the trades suggest to me, why don't you do the demolition and then we'll do the remodel. And we're going to save you all those hours of our time. Get yourself a dumpster. Let it sit in your driveway and rip out what you have to rip out. And then we'll come in and do the rest of it. And basically, in, in some instances, it's have the cost of a home improvement or a remodel. Right. So, And today there are so many things available that that Chris, you and I didn't have, you know, we, years ago when we wanted to do something, we had to drive over to the lumber yard, ask a bunch of questions, get some instructions and, you know, um, or dial somebody up and ask them today. You just go on YouTube, YouTube. and you can find the answer to anything. That's so. right. It's amazing. <laughs> it's true. I yeah, have the DIY. Yeah. Um, it is, it is pretty impressive what, what people can do and, and tackle themselves and, mm-hmm. Um, just now I'm starting to, to sound it. like an old person. But it's like, yeah. <laughs> Part of that silver you, tsunami. You Can't you YouTube it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's a good word. Good, good. Well, any uh, last closing thoughts? There's a crazy old adage that the best time to buy real estate was five years ago. The second best time is today. And it's trite in some ways because everybody's situation is different. But I've, I've heard another quote that I'm going to throw out there. When was it ever a bad time to own? When was it ever a bad time to own? So reach out to trusted advisors is my suggestion. Get some ideas that may or may not work for your situation and then try to come up with a plan and then work that plan. And it's always worth it to kind of extend yourself a little bit within your comfort zone to achieve a long-term goal. It's worth it to put the effort in and to, you know, stretch yourself. Hey, and the Palouse is great. (laughs) What a great place to live. This is just a... A wonderful place. So. It's true. It certainly doesn't hurt when it's 50 degrees in January. Yeah, it's 50 degrees in January. And, yeah. Very good. So. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yep.
Thanks for joining us. Like, share, subscribe. We'll see you next week.